0: Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to Episode 30 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host, Rick Verbanus, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Bob Lucius. Bob, hello.
1: Hey, what's going on, Rick?
0: Now, it's a great day. Uh, we're getting to chat about Captain America comic books doesn't get any better than this.
1: Yeah, this is definitely a highlight of my week.
0: Yeah, and and I gotta tell you, we have uh, a great show because uh, we're, you know, you and I tend to be uh, philosophical, right? Oh, that's correct.
1: Correct. Indubitably, yes. Yes. Yes.
0: We like to uh, chat uh, about uh, the, the overall larger picture and Uh, the ethics and the morals behind Captain America. You know, I mean, he's not just a comic book character uh, to us. We, uh, we really, you know, enjoy the character. We look up to him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, as, as our guests will talk about, we, we, we hold him as a moral exemplar, somebody that we can look to and learn from, even though he's a, he's a character in a comic book. There's a lot that we can, we can get from that characterization.
0: Exactly. And so we've had, uh, many guests on the show. Uh, We've had creators, uh, comic book creators. We've had um, comic book fans. We've had, uh, you know, uh, we've talked about comic books, but this is the first time we actually have a novelist on the show and not just any novelist. uh, This is a uh, professor of philosophy. Uh, So joining us on this podcast is Dr. Mark D. White author of the virtues of captain america the modern day lessons on character from a world war ii superhero
1: right now i i will be shocked if anybody uh, doesn't know that book and if you don't know that book shame on you shame for shame you need to pick it up right now you got to order on amazon go out to your local bookstore and and order yourself a copy because it's well well worth it, and we'll tell you why, and you're going to learn why in, in this, this episode. But but Dr. White uh, is uh, not only is he a department chair of philosophy at a uh, at a university uh, currently teaching courses in philosophy and law and economics and how they intersect, but he has an enormous record of contributions in this sort of uh, niche area of comic books and philosophy. So not only has he co-edited and contributed to over a dozen different volumes exploring different comic book characters like Doctor Strange and Batman and Superman and the X-Men and the philosophical way of looking at their, uh, their values and principles and, and morality, but he's written a number of books and you just named off one of them. But if that wasn't enough, he's also the author of the comic book professor blog and the companion website for the virtues of Captain America, where he's written over 300. Yes, Rick, 300. Most of us can't even count that high, but he's written 300 blog posts, exploring different issues, not just in in Tales of Suspense and the Captain America series, but invaders and Avengers and tying them together to explore different aspects of ethics and morality from the Captain America mythos perspective. So I am super duper, duper excited. I'm like I've been looking forward to this for a long, long time.
0: So uh, let's get going. And with that said, uh, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm
1: like I'm giddy like a schoolgirl to have you here. Uh, Mark,
2: <laughs> you look, you look it.
1: I uh, I loved your book. I've read it a number of times. I've been raving oh, wow. about it for years. And and uh, I know Rick read it last year. That was some beach reading, I think, for Rick. So. It was.
0: <laughs> and uh, Mark. I got to tell you, um, I read That's that thing uh, that it's uh, something without pictures. They, I don't know. It's uh, It's got a lot of words in it. I know. Uh, I know. That's so weird. I, I don't do a lot of that, but I did it for you because Bob said this is a great book. And it was. I loved it.
2: Well, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I tried to leave spaces to make your own drawings in the book, <laughs> but the publisher didn't <laughs> like that. Well,
1: I did. I took uh, lots of notes in the margins. So <laughs> yeah. okay, I always do that when I read a book, just in case I ever have the opportunity to have lunch with someone, some author, and then then I have my questions ready made. So
2: oh, there's going to be lunch.
1: <laughs> just I'll call you.
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so as I you know, as I said, I've been looking forward to, to chatting with you for a long time. That's great. You know, I mean, there's so much I want to ask you, and we'll get to a lot of that tonight, but why don't we just start from the beginning, right? And uh, when did you first develop an interest in comic books, and and specifically Cap? Was Cap like a favorite of yours from from the get-go?
2: No, actually, when I was a kid, I started reading comics when I was about six or seven, and it really came from watching both the Super Friends Saturday morning cartoon and the Adam West Batman show. So all I knew really was the DC characters. And so I became a a DC fanatic when I was a kid and it wasn't that I had anything against Marvel. It's just, I didn't see the Marvel characters as much. And I wanted to buy as much of the line as I could because I really liked the interconnected universe. But I, of course I didn't know at the time that Marvel did that so much better. So um, I was, I was a, a comics fanatic until high school. I think when I got my first guitar and then I completely switched gears And then I just got back into it as an adult about 15, 20 years ago. And then I started reading both Uh, DC at first and then slowly getting into Marvel and cap. I think daredevil was the first Marvel character I really got into. And then cap came soon after that. And uh, then after that, it's just, uh, you know, where's this guy been all my life. And, and um, soon after that, I started writing the, the superhero and philosophy uh, essays for the edited books like Batman of Philosophy and Iron Man and Philosophy. And then after I did half a dozen of those, I said, I want to try writing an entire book myself instead of being one of 20 contributors that I edit together. You know, I wanted to try writing my own book, and I wanted the first one to be Captain America. And luckily, it was at a time where Captain America, the Winter Soldier was coming out, and it it was a couple years ahead of that, so we could write the book, and the publisher likes timing the book release with the movie, and so that all just came together, and it was wonderful.
0: So what was it about Cap that made it to be your first book? I mean, you know, obviously, uh, you must have something about the character that really appealed to you?
2: Well, yeah, I, I think that comes through in the in the book. It's just somebody that has it, it. It's it's not only someone I like, but it's someone that I think, at least before the movies and before Chris Evans did such an amazing job bringing Steve Rogers to life, it's a character that I think was was widely misunderstood, and that's part of one of the things you you know that I tried to uh, counteract in my book. Both the idea that, one, Captain America is just some sort of simplistic flag-waving toady of the U.S. government, just basically a tool of the the administration, and also that his ethics are outmoded and anachronistic and just a a relic of World War II and the greatest generation and has nothing to do with the, the, you know, situations of today. And I really wanted to combat those two perceptions, that you know Captain America is stands up for principles not politics and he goes against the government when he feels they aren't living up to the ideals they're supposed to represent and also the fact that his bedrock morals are needed just as much today as they were back in the 1940s uh, you know there it's different situations perhaps more complex situations things don't seem as black and white as they may have back then but what you need is a a solid moral foundation from which to approach complicated moral questions, and that's what cap's bedrock virtues do. They give him a, a firm foundation from which to balance the various interests and principles at heart in any moral dilemma
0: well you you raised a great question about that as far as you know being the moral center. Um, so just to piggyback on that, because you wrote about that in, in, in The Virtues of Captain America, and you make the case that, that Cap you know, is, a, is a worthwhile moral exemplar, right. uh, and, and not just in the fictional world of the Marvel Universe, where you know, he becomes what you describe as the moral center, but he's the moral exemplar in the real world as well. And, and can, you, can you tell us what makes Cap so special, you know, uh, even unique in this regard?
2: Well, I, w- I wouldn't say he's unique because I don't want to paint him as necessarily better than superheroes with slightly different moral compasses. Like you know, his his frequent uh, antagonist in the hero community, of course, is Iron Man. Iron Man tends to be more of a utilitarian, more pragmatic, uh, more you know, getting the job done. Never mind the the moral niceties. Where Captain America is more you know a blend of the virtue ethics, always trying to do the right thing as well as the well deontologist trying to follow duty and responsibility. And I don't want to say one is necessarily better than the other, because there are good arguments for all these moral systems. But what I like about Captain America and the fact that he, he, he doesn't necessarily follow, you know, exact rules or procedures like Iron Man might, but what he tries to do is really just do the right thing in other words you know base his actions on his his positive virtue character traits or virtues such as honesty courage sound leadership integrity is is the, the the big one and and start from those and make your decisions in a in a way to to express those character traits and i think those are the you know rather than getting into nitty gritty of rules or duties or formulas or algorithms for making moral decisions those are things that people can look to just as we look to whatever heroes we have and say, wow, I, I really like that person because they exemplify these character traits because they always try to do the right thing because they always try to help people because they're always honest. Doesn't mean they're perfect. Doesn't mean they don't make mistakes, but they own up to them. They try to, to make up for them. They admit them and try to improve themselves.
1: Yeah. I want to, uh, I want a little plug for you here, uh, uh Mark, uh, you do uh, sort of explore the different moral judgments, moral uh, systems of Iron Man and and Spider-Man and Captain America in in one of your other books uh, dealing with the Civil War. Right, right. Right. Yeah, so I I highly recommend that to to listeners as well. Mm, Thank you. So, um, you know, uh, you talk a lot about – uh, not a lot, but you have a whole chapter dedicated to uh, the concepts of honor and integrity. And uh, I, I found that really interesting because, you know, sometimes, you know, we think in, in modern society that those, those sort of particularly honor is a concept that's uh, old fashioned and, and, anti- right. and uh, antiquated, right? Right. Um, and yet you dedicate a whole chapter uh, on Cap's sort of um, his view of honor and integrity. And so clearly must think that's important. Why is that? Is it still relevant?
2: Oh, oh, definitely. I I think, you know, I I tend to think of honor and integrity as more of sort of a meta virtue. I mean, you know, the, the ones like honesty and courage are very specific and, and they apply to very specific situations, but honor and integrity are more about being the person you want to be. And it, it incorporates all the virtues and it really means being true to yourself and being true to the code that you've adopted. And, that that's why you know, like I said, you know, you can be a hero with a sort of different type of moral view, but but still have a sense of integrity in the fact that you always follow it. I mean, you know, Iron Man is utilitarian, but in the sense in which he's consistent about that and holds himself up to that standard, he can be said to have integrity. And I, I think I even mentioned in the in the book that that some of the heroes, some of the villains, sorry, some of the villains in the Marvel universe you know not not your standard bank robbers or kidnappers but i mean the the really the the megalomaniac villains uh i typically think of doctor doom you know the, the, you can probably see the poster behind me you guys that can see me i have a, a picture of uh fantastic four number 5 the first issue of doctor doom and he he i think for all he does wrong, and definitely his his means to his end are, are 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 wrong and evil in a way, but he has a certain integrity in that he has a goal and he holds himself to it and he has a sense of honor and that he doesn't like to lie, he doesn't like to use trickery, he admits when he's defeated. And like I said, you know, honor and integrity to me are more sort of not not higher virtues in the sense of being better virtues, but meta-virtues, you know, virtues as sort of encompass all the individual ones like honesty and courage and and, and etc. So I, I think that's more important because again, it doesn't matter on which virtues you think are more important or whether you follow rules or formulas, but the sense that you're holding yourself to the ideals that you set for yourself, you're not letting anyone else impose rules on you or impose expectations on you, but really holding yourself up to your own standards. And we see Cap definitely does this because Cap's harder on himself than anyone else is. And even when he, when he beats a villain or, or, or solves a problem, he often beats himself up because he could have done it better. He could have solved it faster. He could have had less people get hurt. And so everyone else will be celebrating the win, and he'll be walking away saying, oh, I should have dealt with that. I, sh- I should have done better. I have to do better next time. And that's, a, that's a one, just one manifestation of his integrity. Is that you know he always wants to do better, even if everyone else is satisfied with it, because he holds himself up to what what could be impossible standards, and that's definitely not a virtue because that's excessive. But the fact that he does hold himself up to high standards, I think, is something to to emulate, as long as again we don't set them too high.
0: So you bring up a great point, um, and I want to go back to your Doctor Doom example uh, because. You, you you're talking about uh you know he's got certain um aspects about him right as far as having integrity and in, in some regard to, in his mind right um, and you compare it to someone else so you know quite often uh, most like you said these megalomaniacs most of these villains you know they don't think of themselves as villains right they think right, of themselves as right. having um you know they're the maybe, hero of their own story yeah right and it yeah. ends to a mean or something like that so you know you think of uh, ultron or, or thanos you know they don't think of themselves as villains so sure. i i or luther that, lex
2: luther yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah so they're I, I gonna
2: save that... everyone from the heroes that are that are misguided right i'm sorry i'm okay. sorry to interrupt go ahead no 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 it's <laughs> right. well i
0: just wanted in your book um you know you write about how cap exemplifies the basic virtues of, of courage and, and humility uh sacrifice responsibility perseverance and and you point out in that famous speech by cap and it's it's an amazing spider-man 537 um yep and you in the speech you're gonna, make, you're
2: gonna make me cry
0: well well here now <laughs> hold on now. I, I, I might make you angry i don't know because the speech where he, he quotes you know, it's, it's from Mark Twain, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. He, and he concludes the, the first with, part of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, but he concludes with quote, when the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree besides tree. the river uh, the of truth river of truth, and tell the whole world, no, you move now. Uh,
2: that's a chills. great quote. I know, right? Yeah. However, and it's a great picture by Ron Garney too. Just with Spider Man looking up at him, yeah, and Cap's yeah. just, just you know, oh, it so, is just a and wonderful panel. Just you know, the words by Straczynski, and you know, yeah, Go ahead. you're
0: not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> you're fairly, fairly regularly in the uh, Captain America comic book fans Facebook group, sure, sure, yeah. someone shares that quote with that awesome image, and sometimes there's a debate. I'm usually to blame because <laughs> because that, that quote doesn't sit well with me. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay. And it goes back to your Dr. Doom. It seems oh, like yeah, it, could be, yeah, I can, okay. it could be used to justify anything. Sure. And and there are people who I know that are big Cap fans, and, and some of them are in our group, that couldn't have a, a more 180-degree Uh, difference of of, of opinion on what CAP really stands for, like, wow, polar opposites, right? And we're talking, you know, um, and, and yet, they still feel that same way about that quote. And, and so their ethics, their morals could be completely different from mine. Oh,
2: sure. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, how do you navigate this dilemma?
2: Well, yeah, that, that quote, I mean, that's a great point is, you know, but no, that's like saying that any, any tool, any virtue can be used for the wrong ends. You know, a gun can be used to protect and it can be used to kill, you know, the pen can be used to praise or slaughter. I mean, the, you know, any, any virtue, like I said, Dr. Doom's got a lot of virtues, but he's an evil man. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's brilliant and he's creative and, you know, but he's evil uh what what that quote means to me is you just you know if you believe you're right don't let anyone you know change your mind
0: but doesn't you know know, even even if
2: well no no but he does dr doom would hear that speech and he'd be like yeah absolutely but of course he's using it for different ends than captain america's captain america's saying that to spider-man okay spider man you know i like you know you mentioned the 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 Bob mentioned the Civil War book, and I said in civil in the the comic version of Civil War, not the movie, you know spider man is sort of the the man in the middle, the man on the ground looking up at these two gods, Iron Man and Captain America, have this battle of ideologies, and spider man's the one suffering the harm on the ground, having his secret identity revealed, and then Aunt May will get shot. And so he's actually living all this, this battle that they're that they're conducting up in the clouds. And you know, Spider Man is, you know, if Captain America is the moral authority of the Marvel universe, then Spider Man is the point of view character that really represents the aspirational ethics of of every you know kid and, and person that's that's reading the comics. He's the the reader analog. And you know, so Captain America speaking to him as a fellow hero, because he knows Spider-Man wants to do the right thing. And, you know, even though he may struggle with it a little more than Captain America does, you know, Spider-Man has just as much heart, if not more, than Captain America. So, you know, he could he could make that speech to Spider-Man and he knows that it it will be understood in the way that he intended. But you're absolutely right. If he said it to the Red Skull or if he said it to Dr. Doom he wouldn't say it to them because they'd take it the wrong way. They'd say, yeah, that's true. We shouldn't let anyone change our minds. No, no, no. (laughs) I didn't mean that. I didn't mean you, you know? So, yeah, but I I see that. I mean, the speech would definitely mean different things to, you know, depending on what your point of view is. So Cap definitely wouldn't want to say that to somebody that he didn't trust had the right point of view. And he definitely trusts that for Spider-Man. He probably wouldn't make the same speech to Iron Man. Right. You know, because he, he would worry about what Iron Man would do with it, given that Iron Man makes moral decisions much differently than Captain America does. All
1: right. You got all that, Rick, for the next time that, that debate comes up?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to share a link to this. Podcast.
2: <laughs> but I, I, sh- I see what you're saying, though, Rick. I mean, I get it is that, you know, it's 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 sort of a what you could call a substantively empty or a, a thin quote in that you know it, it it it's so general that it can be applied to different things some of them good some of them not so good
0: and and i and i don't want to steal too much time from bob but i, I want to follow up on this because again I'm, I'm pretty passionate about it but you know the other thing too is and, and i i i hope i don't un- alienate any members of the the captain america facebook group but you know there are certainly some members of big captain america fans that i couldn't disagree with more as far as you know what what their view of cap is um you know and, and some of these fall into the you know i don't want to stereotype but you know kind of uh you know kind of like hey it's it's america get in you know love it or leave it you know kind of folks right and like the country could do no wrong and 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 captain america obviously uh in his many times as you pointed out mark you know he has gone up against the government you know he's he's become nomad he's become the captain he's he's done different things um you know so it's 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 a strangely you know it's a it's a hard time sometimes you you try to accept everybody, you know, because they're they they love the same character. But um, you know, it's like we get into uh, a conversation about well, does just Cap kill? And uh, you know, well, yeah, people will point to well, look at World War Two, look at the Golden Age, and if you do, if you pick up those Golden Age comics, you see Cap with a weapon, right? And you see sure. him, you know, killing and and um, you know, so I I kind of departmentalize captain america i I think there's the world war ii version and then i think there's the which was a soldier a super soldier sure and then i think of post coming out of the freeze captain america which is a hero and that's exactly that's my captain america that's that's the one i follow and grew and fell in love with and hold as that moral exemplar that's the one for me but i have to respect that there are fans out there that look at the super soldier from world war two and that's their captain america sure sure
2: yeah no i agree with you i mean that's why in, in the, the the blog that i do to, to complement the book where i go issue by issue through captain america's appearances i started with avengers number four i didn't i didn't deal with any of the golden age stories uh, not not because i don't like that captain america just because the characterization wasn't there he he was more of a of a patriotic symbol i mean he still is but he was just a patriotic symbol back then and you know, it wasn't until Lee and Kirby brought him back in the early sixties that they added this this, you know, more in-depth characterization and the the pathos of of waking up without Bucky beside him and feeling guilty about losing Bucky and feeling like the man out of time. That really brought some of that, you know, classic Marvel flaw to, you know, who was designed to a character that was designed to be flawless. You know, because, I mean, everyone knows, you know, Spider-Man's insecure and Tony Stark's arrogant and, and everything. So they bring back Captain America from the Golden Age. And here is this, you know, person created to be the perfect man. And they had to, to humanize him. They had to give him a, a, a sort of a flaw. And the way I think they did that is by, you know, giving them this guilt complex over Bucky and this man out of time thing. Mm-hmm. And but but w- one thing I I like is I like how some writers have managed to merge the the soldier with the hero. I agree with you, Rick. I mean, when when people will you know, when they'll 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 put uh, they'll put cap in more of a battle armor type of thing, and people will say, Oh, that's that's right because he's really a soldier. And I say he's not a soldier anymore as a hero, he's supposed to be a symbol, he's supposed to inspire. I mean, if I see a soldier in battle fatigues walking down the street, I worry what's going on. Is there, is there a threat? Is there a problem? You know, if if I don't expect them to be there, if I expect them to be there, it's fine. But, you know, I, I never liked seeing Captain America in too elaborate, you know, battle armor to emphasize the soldier aspect of when he's acting as a hero, as a superhero, as an inspirational figure. The The comics that I really like... Are I can't remember exactly. It was sometime in the 21st century, but the, the series of theater of war one shots that Paul Jenkins wrote that really bring together, you know, the, the modern cap, but putting him in, you know, military war situations and, you know, in different eras and different wars and having him respond as the modern character of captain America To these, you know, battle combat situations that he may have confronted in the Golden Age comics, but, you know, obviously with a deeper characterization, and you see a lot of the moral conflict he goes through. I mean, you know, when he's in a war situation, you know, war is hell. I've never been to war. I'm very glad for that. And I have the utmost respect for the men and women that have been including my my grandfather, may he rest in peace. You know, and and the, the the one thing this leads to about Captain America, and you know, I emphasize in the book, is how because of his orientation with balancing various virtues and principles, he has to use judgment. Judgment ends up being his ultimate superpower, and you know, judgment is very contingent on circumstances you know, you may have you may be in similar situations but the, the difference in those situations lead to you know uh, your judgment balancing principles differently and when you're in a war situation i just have to imagine the the circumstances are so different the stakes are so different that you know he's going to behave as a soldier as as the, the you know the epitome of a soldier hopefully but he's going to act as a soldier. And if that demands that he kill somebody in battle, he's going to do so. Now, now, now that, that, that becomes more interesting to me when he has to kill in the context of being Captain America, Avenger, superhero. Uh, in, the, in my blog, like I said, I'm going through issue by issue. And I'm, I'm about three issues away from issue 322, where he's forced to kill the ultimatum agent. That is massacring, massacring civilians, I think, in a church, which is unfortunately all too realistic these days. But, but as far as I remember, I mean, it's, a, it's an issue I wrote about at length. It's probably one of the, the issues I discuss most in the book is because Captain America is witnessing this happen. He, he's too far away to throw his shield. He's got to stop this guy from killing people. And there's a rifle beside him from an ultimatum agent he just knocked out. And he makes a split second decision, I've got to take this guy out. And, and what's interesting is over the next half dozen issues, he, 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 he comes to grips with this decision he made, it was the right decision, I had no other choice, but, but oh man, I'm going to torture myself over this because I should have found a better answer. I wish I'd be able to found it, find a different answer. Perhaps if I'd been smarter, I would have been able to find a better answer. And so even though in that split second he was convinced that was the right answer, he still feels remorse about it, one, because he was in that situation at all, and two, that he couldn't find a better solution. And it's just, it's a fantastic, fantastic run of issues by Mark Grunewald, who wrote I, th- I think he, he was best at, at showing how Captain America confronted even the smallest moral dilemmas, but constantly in his life because he was so worried about doing the right thing all the time. You know, I, I just started the, the Mark Grunewald run, run in my blog about about 12 issues ago. And it's just every issue, There's he faces a little conflict about having to lie to the press or a little conflict about having to pretend to be somebody else or, you know, just these little things. But he really beats himself up, of, up over them because he, he wants to behave ideally. He wants to do the right thing. And he doesn't like having to make any compromise in that. But at the same time, he knows he has to because it's not a perfect world and you can't always do the, the clean thing
1: ask you mark uh now you're up to about uh, i think you've got about 300 uh 300 blog posts and of course the book yeah i'm almost
2: a, up to 300 yeah yeah and a,
1: and, the, and the book covers a, a wide range of material and you and you just mentioned grew as uh, as as a writer that particularly appeals to you but uh, there's been dozens of writers that have contributed to the to the captain america mythos over the years are there are sure. there any in particular that that specifically appeal to you other know, than wow. grew or just grew or, or
2: yeah, what? no, no. Grunwald is great. I mean, he wrote for 10 years, and you know, there's so many highlights in that. But like I said, I think every issue he he hits on some little thing. Um, probably my favorite cap writer would have to be JM Dematis, though. He was he just he really from, from the very beginning of his run, he really hit the idea that Captain America came to realize that, I think I think the common phrase is that the American dream is not the American reality for many Americans. Right. And, you know, he, he promotes, he protects the American dream, but he realizes that's kind of naive when many people's experience is not anywhere close to the American dream. So... He, and he really started, and Stan Lee did this a bit too, and After he, I think after he started working with Gene Colan, after Jack Kirby left the book, he, and and I remember he, he went to college pretending to be a professor named Roger Stevens, which was, you know, no one <laughs> yeah. was going to see through that, and, you know, he goes on to college and he sees the college protesters, this is the late 60s. And he, he his initial thought was, you know, what do these kids think they're doing? Go back to class. But then he starts listening to him. He says, "Wow, I think they really have a point. Maybe I should have been listening. Maybe I should have been listening more this whole time." And that's kind of his gradual social awakening. And you know, that started with Stan Lee, but and then and Steve Englehart, of course, put this in the hyperdrive with his whole Secret Empire storyline and discovering the corruption in the highest levels of American government and. But but J M DeMatis really brought CAP into interaction with a lot of different segments of society and a lot of different ideas he wasn't familiar with and really playing up this man out of time getting to know the seventies and the well the eighties by Dematis's time. But you know it, it, he came into you know, just I just almost every issue. I almost felt like doing multiple blog posts over some of those issues because i think i think the, the probably the only dematis issues i lumped together was a deathlock story just because so much of it dealt with deathlock and the you know the just bits of it with captain america but you know he he is definitely my favorite as you know but you know, the, you- and then, then Grunewald and and in terms of the modern writers, I actually always focus on the one miniseries, the Captain America Man Out of Time miniseries that Mark Wade wrote, which updated his origin so that he was, you know, brought out of the ice, you know, sometime in the early 2000s. And, and that
1: series, yeah.
2: Uh, it, it's fantastic because, I mean, you've got scenes like, I'll just mention a couple quickly. When when you know Tony Stark takes him to the Smithsonian so he can catch up on American history, and he he watches Martin Luther King Jr.'s "I Have a Dream" speech, and he's in tears. Mm-hmm. And 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 then he reads about the Challenger explosion, and he's he's so proud to see uh, a woman astronaut and an Asian astronaut among the picture, and then finds out about the tragedy, and so he's 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 amazed at the role that, that, that African-Americans and women and, and you know, other oppressed groups have played in Ameri- you know, the, the increasing role they've played in, Amer- in mainstream American society compared to his experience in the 30s and 40s. And then the best part of the series is when he has a chance to go back to 1945 and look for Bucky. And at first, he's like, oh boy, this is great. Coffee's a nickel, burgers are a dime, clothes are as I remember them, cars are as I remember them. But then he, he's in a diner and he sees a male customer a, slap a waitress on her behind. And he thinks, oh, that's not right. And he realized he wouldn't have never noticed that when he was in the 30s and 40s originally. Or he goes to a baseball game and sees the, sees the, the, the uh, black fans in a segregated part of the stadium. And so he goes up to sit with them and that makes them as uncomfortable as anything. Cause Oh, you can't do this. We're going to get, you're going to get us in trouble. And he realizes after having been in the modern world for maybe a week, he goes back to quote unquote his time and realizes, wow, I didn't realize how much was wrong with this until I saw how much better, not perfect of course, but how much better it was, you know, in, in the future it's just a marvelous series. I, I just, I, I end up, you know, I, I occasionally in posts, even talking about comics from the seventies and eighties, I'll kind of flash forward and say, Oh, this reminds me of man out of time and getting ahead of myself.
0: No man out of time. You know, you're talking to some Mark Wade fans right here. So, so yeah. we love that story. And, and we actually had uh, an opportunity to talk with, uh, day Mateus, uh, here on the show. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and it was a great time talking with those stories. So, agree with you there um i will say you know it's funny that you mentioned you know out of time and and how yeah this was a nickel this was a dime but it wasn't really that great because every once in a while we'll have someone on our facebook page put up a a golden age comic and someone will mention ah those were the good old days and it's like okay um yeah if you were a straight white male sure those were exactly. great days yeah. yeah ask everybody else yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh but but you know that's just you know we 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 have our own perspective because that's the world we live in right
2: right right yeah
1: i mean if you read those i mean if you read the golden age comics i mean the art is you know it's interesting it's fascinating but sometimes you read those golden age comics and you're like Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, you know the yeah. characterizations, especially the secondary characters, are right. not always rendered uh, in the most flattering terms.
2: Oh well, yeah, it's like it's like the the you know I'm a huge fan of the old old style animation, the old Warner Brothers cartoons and the the Tex Avery cartoons and you know but you can't watch those you know you'll see you know you know in a Tom and Jerry cartoon Jerry will dip his face in a pot of ink and come up looking like he's in blackface and i'm sure people loved it back then but wow it's you know and they have they have the warnings on the dvds just for that reason just to remind people you know we want to we want to preserve this and i mean this this uh came up with um, the muppet show recently when they put all the muppet show online and they said we're going to put a warning thing on there and some people freaked out and said they're censoring the bumpets. I said, no, they're are allowing millions of people to see them. These are very hard to see. They weren't available widely on DVD. Now millions of people can see them, but we just want them to know that even the Muppet shows, you know, produced in the 70s. We're not talking about the 30s and 40s. We're talking about the 70s. But even in the 70s, you know, there was some stuff there that hopefully we've we've come a long way since. And, you know, just when you watch it, keep in mind this is not how we would do it today. Right.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select
0: devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, it's funny. You mentioned before about Captain America in the golden age uh, and that, you know, he was a super soldier and that's how he was written. And to Bob's point, you know, looking at some of the art back then, you know, that was purposeful, right? Because it was propaganda at the time. It was. We were at war. And you know, one of the first things that you do uh, at wartime and propaganda, you try to dehumanize your opponents.
2: Exactly. So yeah.
0: the exaggerations for you know the the Germans and the Japanese uh, were done purposely, and right. uh, the, we, in an effort to try to dehumanize them. So that's uh, just uh, again, we just it's a different time, and that's right. how it was back then. And, and not that it right. was right or wrong, but it was different.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and there wasn't the concern, you know, now when we, when we you know, when we have uh, an issue and we're in conflict with another country, now, most of the time, we we try to make sure the population of that country doesn't think that we have anything against them. You know, you can imagine being a German kid or a Japanese kid reading those Golden Age comics and thinking, wow, these Americans really hate all of us. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, like after, like after 9-11, when Bush reached out to the Islamic community on the next day and and said, you know, this isn't about you. This we have nothing against you. This is, you know, a couple dozen people and a small group and we're going to, you know, this this is between us and them. This is we have nothing against the, you know, Middle Eastern populations in whole. And I think that this was exemplified in the in the first issue of the Marvel Knights Captain America which came out soon after 9/11 mm-hmm. and was uh you know, the Captain America's, you know, he didn't do this in the, in the main Captain America books, but in, the, in this comic, it was more rooted in the real world events. And the first issue dealt with his reaction to nine And, you know, in addition to showing an, an amazing shock and, and sadness, he was also, I remember in the, you know, after helping out with the, the rescue at ground zero And then he's walking, you know, a couple blocks away and he sees a couple, a couple men harassing uh, a man who looks to be Middle Eastern of descent and Captain America protects the man, you know, he shields him from the two men attacking him. And then he, he turns to the attackers and says, this is not the enemy. He's not the enemy. And then he points, you know, towards the ocean and says, the enemy's over there. We're going to go get them. They're going to pay. We're going to hold them accountable, but we have to remember who the enemy is and who the enemy is not. And it's not just anybody that looks like the people that hurt us. Right. And, you know, I, I, I you know, that was just fantastic. And then, of course, he gets together with Nick Fury and they say, OK, let's go. And you know, then, but you kind of get both sides of that. Captain America is going to defend the country, he's going to go after the people that hurt us, but he's going to make sure at the same time that we don't lose our minds and start lashing out against anybody who just happens to look like the people that hurt us. And I think that reflects how in, in the modern day, we you know, try to be more sensitive to the people that live in the countries that we're having conflicts with, but aren't necessarily involved in those conflicts, especially when those conflicts are with terrorist organizations that don't necessarily represent any country or any citizenry. Right. And, and you know, it's, it's, some writers you know, can balance that very well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, Volume Four, of the Marvel Knights series. Uh, yeah, those. Uh, I think his name is uh, Niebuhr, right? Uh, right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Did a, did an excellent job with that. Um, and beautiful art by by Cassidy. Oh, um, beautiful. So, you know, I guess it brings me back to your book, uh, where you spent some time talking about can a fictional character be someone that, in real life, we look up to. is is a as a moral exemplar Um, and we you talked a little bit about that before but but take the listeners through I guess just a you know a brief understanding of of yes yes a fictional character can be someone we look up to
2: yes uh, you know I I think actually a fictional character can be more effective than a real world person because a a, a fictional character can be written to be an exemplar I mean, you know, real world people can be, but I, you know, they're usually not, you know, a real world person isn't designed to be unless it's a, you know, a PR thing. And then usually the truth comes out and it's revealed they're really a nasty person and you shouldn't, you know, try to emulate (laughs) them at all. But, but, you know, fictional characters, whether in comic books or myths or legends or what have you, you know. They can be written in such a way, or drawn in such a way, portrayed, acted, whatever, you know, to purposeful, purposefully to make them moral exemplars. I mean, that's it's, you know the, the 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 you know mythologies, uh, the stories in the Bible, the stories in other sacred texts. I mean, you know, scholars can argue about the historical truthfulness of these stories, but that's really not the point. The point is to teach moral lessons, and you know, the 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 various you know legends we have in in, in America, such as you know Paul Bunyan, and the way we mythologize, you know, like George Washington chopping down the cherry tree. Who knows if he actually did that? But it's a great story, and and you know. Whether we're gonna turn, you know, that's the thing is when we when we turn real life people, especially people that have been dead for hundreds of years into heroes, into exemplars, it's usually by, you know, ignoring a lot of the uncomfortable details about their lives, which is what we're finding out now when we're going more into the past and more into the lives of the founding fathers and the presidents and not, you know, and and you know, just many of them own slaves. Does this dismiss their other accomplishments? It's a complicated questions. And that, that's, but that's complicated in a way that fictional characters aren't. So, you know, I can say definitively that, that, you know, I mean, when you deal with a fictional character that obviously has much less detail than a real life person, they can be designed in such a way to inspire emulation just because they're, they're designed. They're they're not real people and their lives because they're in, in, you know, it's not just one story or one scene or one panel. It's their entire career, even though captain America has been written by dozens of people, they've all faithfully followed that, that character design that Lee and Kirby laid out in the early sixties and it's hard to think of any writer that that deviated from that they all you know treated it slightly differently but they all kept that core of uh, integrity and virtue and honor and, and and patriotism that embodies captain america and that allows for a continuity again even among dozens of writers there's a continuity so even though you have over 50 years of modern stories It's still much simpler than any one real person's life. And that allows that entire span of stories to serve as an example, as a moral example for people. And, and, you know, even though it's not a real person, I think it works better because it's not a real person because we don't have all these skeletons coming out that complicate the story. You know, this person did these great things, but but they're nasty to this other person in their lives, or they said some horrible things about a certain group. You know, you can write a character that doesn't do that. That may make them overly simplistic, but that's not really the point. They're not supposed to be a real person. They're supposed to be a moral example. They're supposed to be something to look up to. Because people know these aren't real people, but, but that's not why they were designed. And they're, I mean, they're not, I'm not saying that you know, Captain America is designed to teach moral lessons, but he does that along with being entertaining and inspiring and fantastic to watch and a great fighter and etc. That's one of the one of the roles that that heroes play in our culture is they they try to be one source of moral lessons, you know, in addition to teachers and religious leaders and parents and etc.
1: I wonder if, um, you know, when you say you're not sure that is, he's designed to be a moral teacher. Um, I think maybe in, in some respects he, he is um, among, among, you know there's there's lots of heroes, and probably only a handful are uh, are sort of designed and conceived and and expressed in a way that they do have, uh, whether consciously or not, I do think cap does become a bit of a moral teacher.
2: Just saying that, that if, if any heroes were designed to be moral exemplars, I would say it was Cap, because he's one of the few heroes I can think of that is actually defined by his morality. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting.
1: You know, one of the things you talk about, uh, I mean, back, back when you wrote The Virtues of Captain America, and I think it came out, what, in 2014, and you yeah. wrote at the time that there was this sort of increasing perception that America was becoming uh, a, a divided country. And you made a compelling case though, that uh, at least the vast majority of Americans sort of, they believed in the same guiding principles and values, although they might interpret and and operationalize those principles and values in in very different ways. But you made a very, very strong case that uh, Captain America, how he lives his life, how he approaches problem solving, how he reflects on uh, the decisions that he makes, how he treats people, and the proverbial, what would Cap do? Which, you know, we, we say that a lot in, in the, uh, the Captain America comic book fans group. We use that, that <laughs> phraseology a lot. But you wrote that that could help us sort of bridge our differences by showing us what we have in common. And it's, uh, it's what now? It's uh, seven years later. Are you still confident that Cap has a lot to teach us?
2: That's a complicated question. I think, I think we all know why. I mean, it's the world, to me, To me, as a a straight white man, the world seemed to me to be a better place, uh, a simpler place in 2014 than it is now. Not necessarily because things have changed, but because a lot more points of view are prominent. Uh, We have a lot more groups uh, being much more vocal about views that weren't, weren't expressed very explicitly seven years ago. And those lend me to think that maybe we're not as united around core principles of equality and justice and fairness as we used to be, as I used to think we were, I should say. Let me be very clear about that. And, you know, it's not that things have changed, it's that, you know, things have a lot more, a lot lot more viewpoints have come out in the open. I'm trying to be as, as you know, general about this as I can. Uh But at the same time, I think that just proves that we need the lessons that Cap teaches more than ever, you know, because, you know, Cap definitely does not stand for any type of racism, does not stand for any type of supremacy on any grounds. He believes in equality of all persons and the equal dignity and rights of all persons and fights very hard for that. And this is a, a man that I would think that most people would look up to, and realize, wow, if he thinks like that, why, 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 you know, if, if you're a person that disagrees, why do you? And so I think, you know, you know, even though the the world is not what I was believed it was at the time, and to me, what I wrote in 2014 seems kind of naive now. That may imply that we need to pay even more attention to Captain America now than we did then.
0: yeah, so i i I couldn't agree more I think uh it seems like now more than ever uh we need cap and and that's certainly something that you know I think our listeners all agree with um I want to go back to one of the things that you mentioned about um you know, over the years, the, the different writers that have all written Cap a little differently, but they've all stayed true to his character. Um, I guess one exception to that would be uh, in recent years, uh, Nick Spencer wrote uh, Hydro Cap. Oh. Uh, well, sure, and, sure. Yeah. And, and so that did you get a chance to, to read that story? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's I followed quite, along. Uh, you know, it, it, brings up, uh, quite a controversy in our, in our Facebook. Well, group. Sure. So, uh, inevitable, uh, whenever the story of Hydra Supreme, uh, right. the evil Steve Rogers comes up in our Facebook group, uh, because we do these daily flashbacks, uh, every month. So it's part of the rotation oh, okay. and, uh, we get, uh, quite a visceral reaction, uh, from, from many cap fans, because the can't stand the idea of seeing uh his it's almost like a character assassination yeah and uh nick spencer took certainly a lot of grief for it at the time oh yeah um and then you have some people who respect the fact of this it was just a story and 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 it was something different and it was um you know taking uh you know a a fictional version of steve rogers um Mm. and so uh, what were your thoughts on that story and uh, how did you react to it?
2: I, you know, I, 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 reacted, I think exactly as they intended at that, that last page of the first issue when he says hail Hydra. And, and I, I was optimistic because I thought again, naively, cause I know how comics work. I should have known how this was going to end up, but I thought it was going to be a six or 12 issue arc where Cap would turn out to be brainwashed and his indomitable will would battle back and overcome whatever programming he had. So, cause I thought, you know, if a villain such as the red skull wanted to def- defeat Steve Rogers, wanted to defeat Captain America, what's the, what's the worst thing you can do to him? You know, killing him. Doesn't, doesn't really hurt him in any, any lasting sense, ruining his reputation, ruining his character. I mean, you know, the Red Skulls tried character assassination in the past. Tried to, you know, yeah, you know, in one of the early stories, he held someone hostage and made Cap, you know, swear fealty to him on TV. And this was just, I thought this was just an escalation of that. You know, if you can make character if you can make Captain America turn Hydra or turn fascist. And then even if he comes back from it, he's going to have that memory for the rest of his life. And that would be the ultimate blow against Captain America. So that's what I thought the story was going to be. I thought, you know, wow, this is really pushing the envelope. But like I said, you know, they had Captain America turn bad in the past and it was temporary and he came back and everyone forgave him. Ha ha, we know it's you. And, but then of course, Marvel brass got a hold of it. And they said, oh, we're going to make this a huge line wide event. This is going to go on for a couple of years. And, you know, I, I, mean, I don't know Nick Spencer, I've never read anything to this effect, but I've got to imagine, you know, he might have resented this, you know, other than the fact that he gets to write a big Marvel event, that's gotta be great. But, you know, he probably had something smaller and more meaningful in mind for this story, that there was just eventually going to be a redemption story for Cap that confirms who he really is. And you can't, you can't do this Cap for long, because he's going to fight back. So I sat through that whole series, all the tie-in issues, all the main series, all the deaths, all the the horrible images of the fascist Cap holding up Thor's hammer and all that. And then I get to the end, and then you start having the hints of, of Cap coming back. He's kind of in that shadowy woods with, you know, and he's somewhere. We don't know if he's, you know, I, was, I always assumed he's in Cap's head. You know, I don't know if you read The Superior Spider-Man, but when you know Doc Ock took over Peter Parker's body and his brain, and supposedly there was none of Peter Parker left in his brain, but then there was that tiny sliver that fought back. I thought that's basically what was going to happen to Captain America. But then we find out that whole, you know, you know, the real cap was in the the cos the little cosmic cube girl's head. And she just manifested him at the in the last issue when he defeats Hydra Cap. And I thought, what a waste. I mean, there's no redemption. Steve Rogers didn't fight back. The, the The little cosmic cube brought him back and said, here, go beat the guy I created and make it all right again. And he did. And that was wonderful. But it wasn't Steve Rogers himself fighting back against this evil corrupt influence. That's what I wanted to see. And yeah. so that's why, you know, I'm, I'm glad it, it ended up putting all the pieces back on the table. And it was kind of interesting that they left Evil Cap alive, who, who Todd Nahisi Coates was able to use a little bit. But, you know, the fact that now the Steve Rogers that we know and love walking around is not literally the, the Steve Rogers. He's a mental construct created by this cosmic cube, which, you know, Cosmic Cubes, you know, Dusak Machina of the Marvel Universe but, you know it's just, you know, it's one of those things that luckily, okay, we've forgotten that whole thing. It's like how the Age of Ultron story by Bendis left like three Wolverines walking around <laughs> from different time frames that everyone forgot about. It's, you know it, I, I like how Mark Wade and Chris Samney kind of dealt with the redemption a little bit when they took over the book on, you know, on the the way that, the coat's taking it and kind of helping redeem him they kind of had him go on his little you know tour of america on the motorcycle like he did in grunwald's run early on and what i'm doing in the blog now and it's one of those things um the one of the the blogs on on comic book resources is called abandoned and forgotten it's it, it covers all these things they did in comics that seemed like a good idea at the time and they just kind of ignored And the fact that this Steve Rogers isn't really the original Steve Rogers has just been kind of, you know, let's forget about that, which I think is for the better.
0: Well, Mark, I have to tell you that this Steve Rogers, the one before wasn't the real Steve Rogers, too. Another thing that got forgotten and abandoned was the whole, uh, and I can't remember. Secret Wars? Yes, where where they all died. Oh, yeah. And And then Franklin
2: Richards and the Molecule Man brought them all back. Yeah. Exactly the same. (laughs) Yeah. Except Miles Morales was now in the six one six. Yeah, all the trouble. To, I love Miles Morales, but all the trouble to bring him from one universe to the other and so, a "Wow."
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: But yeah, so yeah, it, it, you're right. You're right.
0: That's comic books, after all.
2: Oh, yeah, man. it's comics. Like I say in the blog, hey, it's comics, kids. You know. Oh, yeah,
1: Mark, this is this has been a super good time, man. I've learned. Uh, yeah, it has. I love this. But I got one more question for you. Uh, right. not, that, not that you haven't done enough already. You know, we've talked about in the <laughs> intro, we talked about all the books that you've written or you've co-edited or contributed to. We talked about your Comics Professor blog and, and the Virtues of Captain America companion blog that you do. And uh, I mean, you've done a lot. You've contributed a lot to, uh, to our, our intellectual betterment. <laughs> but what do you got next, man? What's, what's coming up? What do you got on the horizon for you?
2: Uh, I'm really hesitant to talk about what I'm doing just because sometimes it doesn't work out, you know, so uh, that's, that's
1: exactly why I don't tell my wife what I got planned for next weekend.
2: Exactly. <laughs> don't want to disappoint anybody right. uh I, i'm wor- I'm working on one book now tied to a, an upcoming Marvel movie that I am very excited about. It's it's it, it doesn't look at the entire length of the character like the Virtual Captain America book did, but really focuses more on one, say, five-year run that I thought was very meaningful. Um, eventually, I want to write a book about the Fantastic Four. As I, I said, uh, as you guys can see, there's a, a poster behind me, and there's more, there's posters of Fantastic Four and Cap all over my apartment. So, uh, i'm very excited with the impending announcement i mean they've announced there's going to be a movie but nothing more about it mm-hmm. of a you know a, a genuine marvel studios fantastic four movie i'm very excited to to get a book ready in preparation for that looking at the entire like the cap book did looking at the entire you know history of the of the team um uh, Other than that, just just continuing on with the cat blog, two posts a week, just going through the history and, uh, you know, a lot of guest appearances coming up. You know, I just had an issue of New Mutants, which was weird to do because I'm not an X-Men fan at all. I mean, I've read the key stories and everything, but uh, you know, I've I've, I've watched the New Mutants movie was more than I've ever read out of the comics. So to, to try to figure out what's going on in Claremont continuity at the time, so I can under you know, so I can explain the the ten panels where Captain America appears was it was quite an experience. <laughs>
1: All right, and you also got a plan uh, next time I'm up in Staten Island for lunch. So
2: Oh, my, sure. My treat. So. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Not not actually getting to Staten Island much these days. I live in New Jersey, so All you know right. everything's remote now, so yeah. I haven't seen I haven't seen that beautiful island for over a year.
0: Well, the next time uh next time Bob's in the area. We'll have to we'll have to do a, a, a big lunch uh, and sure. celebrate. Um, but listen, it, Mark, it's been a real pleasure having you on. Uh, we would love to do this again sometime. It's been yeah. fun. Yeah, I'd uh, love to. We love to. Bob and I love to wax poetic all the time.
2: We, we're not
1: we're not philosophers by training, but we are philosophers at heart. Yeah. I
2: think so that's uh, that's yeah. all that matters. Yeah, I don't. that's all Bob, that matters.
0: Bob, did I ever tell you uh, back in my college days, I was. Two credits, two credits shy of being a philosophy minor.
2: There you wow. go. <laughs> That's great. Uh, is it? Yeah, I think so.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I I, don't know. If I was Cap, I would have said two more credits. Sure, I, I'll make this happen. But I I, uh, I, was ready to graduate. Well, you
2: obviously had lives to save and, and you know, <laughs> justice to pursue. And that took precedence. You made that judgment. Right. right. I admire that.
0: Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Mark, uh, absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. So uh, I appreciate you. you coming on.
2: Uh, happy to be here. Very happy. Good time.
0: Okay, Bob, that was a real fun conversation. Like I said, uh, you and I could get a little philosophical sometimes. And who better to do it than with the uh, professor of philosophy and someone who is an expert on discussing Comic books in philosophy. I mean, I mean, I, man, where was this class when I went to school? I, I got to tell you, I sign me up, man.
1: Yeah, you know, Rick. I think I think you know that I have a PhD, right? And I mean, I put a lot of time and effort and money into that. And uh, when I look back, I think to myself, man, I picked the wrong subject. <laughs> I wish the hell I had done this one because uh, if it hadn't been done already, because uh, this. I just I love talking to Mark. He's got such a wealth of uh, of expertise and familiarity with the subject material. And he always brings something uh, new, a new way to look at it, a new perspective, uh, sometimes unexpected. It's just it was a great conversation.
0: It was absolutely. It was so much fun. And uh, we'll have to have him back on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, we'd love to get your feedback, uh, t- to all the listeners out there as well. So, uh, you know, you can check us out on the Facebook page, uh, which is the Captain America comic book fans, Facebook group, uh, or you can go to our anchor page and, uh, there's a link in our show notes. You can just go on there and, uh, leave us a recording. We'd love to hear, uh, hear your thoughts on, uh, our conversation, uh, with Dr. White.
1: I tell you what, right now, this is homework for every listener out there. Go get yourself a copy of that book. Go sit under a tree, a shady tree somewhere. Think, read, ponder, reflect, and you'll be a better person for it.
0: And now also, too, whenever you hear Bob or I mention on uh, the Facebook page, what would Cap do? Now you know where, where that comes from. All right. So, Bob, uh, as always, it's been fun waxing poetic cap with you.
1: Nice. That's a nice change up, Rick. I like it.
0: All right. Uh, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbanus and you've been listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Philosophy Club. <laughs>